My name is Rodney, and this is Random Casual Reviews, where we don't really need a reason. We don't even need the expertise to just talk about the things we like. That's right, you can review things too. First of all, if you're watching one of our videos for the first time, thank you. Thank you very much. We very much appreciate it. We're just now getting started, so if you're tuning in to one of our videos right now for the first time, you're like one of our first subscribers, and we love you for that. Thank you so much. Um, so what do we do here anyway? Well, here at Random Casual Studios, we're doing high-quality reviews for things we feel deserve just a little more attention. So why wait? Let's get started. We're going to try to do this all in one take, and to do it all in one take, I'm going to need coffee, even if we don't need the expertise. Anyway, today, in celebration of the holiday season of 2021, we're having, we're having cigarettes and drinking adult beverages. Guys, isn't that what we did last year? Yeah, you're right. That's what we do every year. All right, so we're going to do that this year, too. Except we're tossing something else onto the fire. What we're doing is we're reviewing the holiday episode of Seinfeld. Um, for the uninitiated, Seinfeld is, Seinfeld was, I mean, Seinfeld is currently on Netflix, so that kind of makes it an is, but it completed its original run some time ago, so doesn't that make it a was? I don't know. It feels like some kind of existential question in my mind. I don't know. Discuss down below. Anyway, Seinfeld was a comedy created by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld that aired originally on NBC between 1989 and 1998. It was on Hulu actually not too long ago, but between you and I, I'm glad that Netflix kind of picked up there because I don't know if I want to subscribe to NBC's Peacock service. I mean, look at that thing. Who wants to subscribe to a Peacock, right? Right? Anyway, Seinfeld was a very popular show for the old Peacock back in the 90s, but since then, it lost some of its original cachet, as things do once they age. I can tell you from experience. <sighs> anyway, um, but that's where we pick up here at Random Casual Reviews, to kind of make sure everyone is reminded of the true meaning of Festivus. It's because we care so much. We care about you. We love you, our random casual family. Anyway, we're only reviewing one episode because, I mean, we got full-time jobs here that don't include this. You know what I mean? So, you know, don't be greedy, but don't worry either. We're going to bring you more. We're going to try to do this every week. Anywho. Which episode are we reviewing today, you might ask? You mean the big sign on the screen is not a good enough indi indication? Well, in keeping with the Seinfeld naming convention of including the word THE in the title of all the episodes, this one is titled The Festivus. Just kidding. It's actually called The Strike, which uh, we'll get into that later. Anyway. Let's not get into it later. Let's get into it now. So the scene opens up with, actually it doesn't open up with a uh, stand-up routine by Jerry Seinfeld. 
As a matter of fact, it's one of the few episodes that doesn't have that. I think the entire like eighth and ninth season did not include uh, an opening uh, stand-up bit from Jerry Seinfeld, which is fine with me, but geez louise, do I miss that hair? I mean, look at that luscious mane. I miss it so much. I just want to, I just want to kind of like, like floof it and put my fingers through it. And actually looking at this now, if you have seen any recent pictures of Jerry Seinfeld himself, I think he misses the hair too. Just saying. Anyway, this kind of reminds me of one thing that I've always loved about Seinfeld, the TV series, and that is it never really included like a really long, elaborate opening theme of people like, you know, tripping over couches and stuff like that you might see in a lot of, uh, you know, comedies of the era. Um, it actually didn't really have an opening theme at all. It kind of did like a little bit of like scatting, you know, some little, you know, beatboxing, you know, maybe a little bit of fun jazz in the beginning, but no real elaborate opening theme. You know, not like uh, those, uh, well, not like Laverne and Shirley. Oh, looking at that screenshot there. Do you guys remember the theme song for Laverne and Shirley? It was like, um, let me see. Uh, We're gonna make our dreams come true. Sing it with me, doing it our way. <laughs> oh man, that was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, huh. Listen. If I was watching Laverne and Shirley, I would watch that theme song every time and I would sing along to it every time. But anyway, I say all this to say that Seinfeld, the TV show, feels like it must have been like 10 or 15 years ahead of its time. It's like back in 1998, whenever it completed its original run and it was about to go into syndication, then they were sitting around and they were thinking like, we knew this would happen. We knew we'd be syndicated and we knew that streaming is going to come around, I say in about 10 or 15 years. Streaming is gonna be here and nobody wants to, <coughs> excuse me, nobody wants to sit through a, uh, a two minute opening sequence, you know? And I mean, especially like, you know, like if you're into anime, for example, I love anime. I love Naruto. I love Naruto as much as I like saying the word Naruto. Naruto, Naruto, Naruto. I love saying that. Anyway, I love this show as, as much as anybody does, as much as any, any anime fan loves anime. But we all have to admit as anime fans that the, the opening sequences for anime is way too long. I mean, it's like an anime episode is like, I don't know, 20, 22 minutes long. And a whole tenth of that runtime is just the opening sequence. Never mind, you know, fillers and recaps and all that stuff. By the time it's all said and done, you only have like 12 minutes of new content on an anime. I don't know. I digress. My point is, Seinfeld the TV show uh, does not have a real opening theme to speak of. So anyway, this episode actually opens with the gang. <laughs> that is a gang, but it's not the gang. <laughs> but it's funny to me. So this is actually a screenshot uh, from a 1979 movie called uh, The Warriors. You, you may have heard of it before. It's actually one famous scene is where this guy has like bottles on his fingers and he's like clapping them together like cling, cling, cling. And he's saying like, come out to play. That's from that movie. Anyway, um, but now looking at this screenshot, wouldn't it have been hilarious if 
Seinfeld, the TV show, was about a 1970s-era street gang and, I guess, their hijinks. If they were able to make that into a comedy, that would have been hilarious. I mean, uh, the jokes kind of write themselves. As you can see, uh, I had to cough, and but I'm going to keep rolling. We're going to keep rolling. You're going to get it all, and I appreciate you hanging in there. Um, so anyway, uh, wouldn't it have been hilarious if this was a show about uh, a 1970s-era street gang and, like, George and Jerry were wearing one of these wonderful vests here? That would have been hilarious. <laughs> and you know what? Thanks to, well, my limited technical expertise, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to daydream. I can show you. Just one, one for you, and one for you. Now look at it. That's George and Jerry wearing one of these wonderful vests. <laughs> and now I can't unsee that. And neither can you. What can I say? Tis the season for giving, after all. Moving on. The actual gang of the TV show is, uh, is these four here that you see on the screen. Uh, I'm going to introduce it real quickly from left to right. We have, on the far left, we have George Costanza, here played by Jason Alexander. We have Elaine Bennis, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. We have Jerry Seinfeld, played by Jerry Seinfeld. And as I was kind of writing the script, it reminded me that on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith played Will Smith. So I guess that's kind of what you do. I guess if you feel like you're famous enough. I have to say, I'd never heard of Seinfeld before this show, but maybe it's because I was too young. Anyway, um, and then at the far right, we have Cosmo Kramer, played by Michael Richards. And now I, that I look at them all together, they look dangerous. I mean, I think Cosmo Kramer is throwing up a gang sign there. And now I don't want to be on their bad side, so I'm moving on. So the scene opens up with the gang here at a Hanukkah party. Um, and the Hanukkah party is hosted by, and you're going to love this, it's hosted by uh, Tim Watley, played by Brian Cranston, who also played Mr. Meth Pusher himself, Walter White. And then, when you think about it, doesn't that hilariously change the complexion of what this TV show, I don't know, could have seemed like? Like if Walter White was hosting a Hanukkah party? It's like, you know, he's like, comes in, you know, to the house and he's like, Skyler, that's, that's what you think about me? You think someone's in danger and you think that of me? No, no, no. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks over the dreidel at the Christmas party. <laughs> oh, I kill me. I don't know. I get, I get such a kick out of my own jokes. It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, I just think it's hilarious. Just imagine a, a Hanukkah party hosted by Walter White and just everybody in there like, I'm kind of afraid to upset the owner of this house. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Anyway, so anyway, a dude at the party is kind of like, you know, hitting on a lane as I guess that happens when you go to parties and I don't know. But this guy looks very snazzy in his vest, I might add. Um, he's kind of cheesy, kind of hitting on a lane and Elaine is like, oh yeah, sure. So then the guy says, so, hey, can I have your phone number? That's right, kids. Back in the old days, we used to ask for phone numbers, you see, and then we had to write them down, which is what Elaine has to do here. She says, uh, yeah, I'll give you my phone number. And she gives the guy a fake phone number. 
And she kind of writes it on the back of like, you know, one of those deli punch cards where it's like, hey, you buy five sandwiches, you get one for free. They kind of do that at Subway. It's kind of like that, you know, buy five subs, get one for free. So she writes it on the back of one of those cards. And I mean, we've all done this before, right? We've given out fake numbers. I give out a fake number every time I, you know, go to check out at a store somewhere and they say, hey, can I have your phone number like at Walgreens or something like that? And I'm like, mm, no, because I don't want you calling me. So I like, you know, maybe I'll transverse some of the numbers or I'll, you know, put in a weird, I'll trade in the numbers for something else. I'll use my real phone number, but I'll just mix it up somehow. That's normally what I do. Uh, I kind of do that for my email address too. But just saying, I'm not doing it here. It is true that random underscore casual underscore reviews is our tag on Instagram. So at random underscore casual underscore reviews. That's our real Instagram. You guys can check it out. Anyway, Elaine gives out a fake phone number and writes it on the back of this deli card. And then she gives it to the guy. And then the guy walks out and is like, yay, I got your phone number. I'm going to give you a call, Elaine. And she's like, okay, bye-bye, bye-bye. And um, she realizes it's all too late. Like, ah, I gave that guy my deli card. And I was just about to win a free sandwich. Ah. So basically, this whole idea of her wanting that free sandwich kind of moves the whole plot forward. So it turns out that the fake phone number that Elaine gave out actually belongs to like one of those like horse betting places you know what I mean like you go to the window and you place a bet on the horse you know anyway it belongs to one of those places so Elaine goes and tells the guy at the betting counter kind of like hey listen um you're gonna get a phone call for an Elaine Bennis and the guy's like hold on hold on Elaine Bennis are you Elaine Bennis are you the Elaine Bennis that's been sending us these phone calls over the past five years well, it's finally nice to meet you, Elaine Bennis. And he's kind of like looking her up and down, you know, and Elaine kind of reads the temperature in the room. But then the guy is like, how about this? Uh, how about you give me your number and uh, I'll make sure we get back to you about this whole free sandwich. And Elaine, again, reading the temperature in the room, she's like, yeah, how about I just give you my phone number? And she pulls a random card out of her purse and hands it to the guy. It just so happens that the phone number she gave was to a local bagel shop. So basically, that's twice she's given out a fake number here. Oh, and the plot thickens. So anyway, this particular bagel shop happens to be Kramer's former employer. And we kind of get into the whole reason that is called the strike. Because what happened is that this particular bagel shop, the employees of this bagel shop, went on strike due to low wages and basically because the employees didn't want to have to work on the holidays. But now the strike is over and Kramer can get back to work. And basically on his first day back at the job, guess who walks into the, the bagel shop? It's George's dad. And George's dad apparently likes holiday bagels. Uh, and they get to talking about holidays and stuff like that. And then George's dad tells Kramer about the history of Festivus. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is when we finally get into Festivus. By the way, George's dad is played here by Jerry Stiller, who, yes, that is Ben Stiller's father. May he rest in peace. Uh, I'm talking about Jerry Stiller, not Ben Stiller. He's still alive. Anyway, 
Um, so anyway, the idea of Festivus, let's kind of get into Festivus just a little bit. I'm going to take a tangent here. So about Festivus, the idea of Festivus is that it's not supposed to be like other holidays. You know how most holidays, the whole idea is you get together with your family and your loved ones and you, you trade stories and you share niceties and you have all this camaraderie and all this love. At least that's how it looks on Hallmark cards and stuff like that. I don't think holidays really go like that in real life. They're normally messy. Basically, everybody upends their life, you know, for a couple of days out of the year. They really, everybody does that right before the end of the year, nonetheless. It's like, if there's any a time when I shouldn't be uprooting my life, it should be right before the end of the year. That's when I need to be solidifying things. Like, really? I would like it if they moved, like, Thanksgiving and, like, the Christmas holiday, kind of like, I don't know, put it somewhere in the summer, like in June or something like that. That would be better. Anyway. I digress. The whole idea of Festivus is that you don't have all that, all those niceties, all that camaraderie. The idea of Festivus is that the first part of the tradition is that you get together and you show feats of strength. And my guess is that um, George's dad put that together so he could show his family that he's still virile enough to be the head of the household. That he's like, oh yeah, daddy still got it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the whole purpose of it. It was just kind of like a, one of those, you know, an insecurity thing on his part. Anyway, so after the feats of strength, then the next, and in my opinion, the most important part of Festivus, is that you gather the, the family around the old Festivus pole here, and you basically air out your grievances. And the, the episode kind of plays this for laughs. Kind of plays it as if this is a crazy loony idea we even get the canned laughter that you kind of get on old sitcoms where it's like the fake you know audience laughter when he mentions the festivist poll they all laugh but i remember even when i saw this for the first time and i'll tell you this now that i was like that's actually not too bad that's actually a great idea i mean think about it 365 days of the year right for 364 of those days you can tell your family how much you love them. And that's, those are perfect times to share love. Why do you need a, a special day to do that? You know, do that every day. Do that for 364 days. What we need in this life is a special day to sit around and to basically just say, you know what? I think you smell like a public bathroom during rush hour. So they haven't had time to clean it uh, on a Friday. So they're really busy during the summertime basically what i'm trying to say is you smell bad you know what i mean you see what i'm saying there i said it with as much sincerity as like a mustard you know what i mean but i said it and i can say i said it because it's festivus that's why i said it you know and it can only make relationships better it can only make people better if this people know you know how you're coming across to other people in your life you know what i mean 364 days to say I love you, one day to say I think your breath stinks. You know what I mean? That's not too bad. Anyway, so Kramer, a lot like I am, is completely obsessed with this idea of Festivus. So he goes to his boss and says, hey, hey, can I have the day off for Festivus? And his boss is like, a day off for what? For Festivus. You see, it's a holiday. And then his boss is like, no, 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 no. Uh, I actually hired you to work during the holiday. So, no, I need you here. So, basically, that request was denied. And so, Kramer is upset. And I just, can I just say this real quickly? 
is it not impressive that we were able to work in two Chris Tucker references and two Will Smith references into a review about Seinfeld? I mean, that has to be worth a subscription. Maybe a couple of comments, you know what I mean? Actually, now that I think about it, it was three Will Smith references, because if we were counting, earlier in the episode, I talked about how Jerry playing Jerry is very similar to Will Smith playing Will Smith in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Boom, that was a bonus reference. And I think that's worth something. After all, we are trying to build the channel here, you know what I mean? Anyway, so Kramer, he's all upset, so he decides to sabotage the bagel machine at the restaurant. Uh, essentially, the sabotage that he does makes it such that steam starts pouring into the dining area of the restaurant, kind of giving everyone a steam bath. And guess who's in there getting a steam bath? But our dear Elaine Bennis. And because basically she's there to intercept the phone call from the racetrack who is intercepting the phone call from the guy she met at Walter White's earlier Hanukkah party. All these degrees of separation, right? Anyway, so she's in there and she too is getting like drenched, you know, getting a steam bath there. And the way they set it up in the episode is they make it seem as if, you know, making, getting the steam bath has made her less attractive. I don't know. What do you guys think out there in my random casual family? Maybe it's because I'm just a random casual guy and I'm like, I don't know. When was the last time you lost attraction to someone just because their hair got wet? You know, it's just like, <laughs> Gizmo. Okay, you're right. Yeah, if Gizmo gets his hair wet, I'm less attractive to him. You're right. You're right. I, I stand corrected. Very well played. Oh my, well played, you guys. Well played. You see what they did here? Yeah. Okay, yes. If Gizmo gets his hair wet, I am less attractive. All right, fair enough. But my point is, in just regular everyday life, when you don't have Gizmos running around, you know, you don't lose attraction to people just because their hair gets wet. But I don't know. Anyway, Elaine uh, is all drenched in steam. And then guess who finally shows up? The guy from the Hanukkah party. And he sees Elaine looking all, again, drenched in steam. I mean, I guess maybe because her, her makeup is running and stuff like that, it's supposed to make her look like she's sweaty. But even still, if she was sweaty, I wouldn't lose attraction. I don't know. They really try to play it up in the restaurant and, you know, they have to sell it with facial expressions and things like that. So I'm going along with it. So apparently Elaine looks less attractive now. Um, and the dude from the party thinks so. And uh, so Elaine, he's like, uh, are you the woman I met at that party? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm Elaine. Listen, do you have a, do you have the, the phone number, the card that I gave you? I need that card back. And he's like, yeah, uh, well, I, I left it back at my place because I thought we can just go back and get it. And she's like, fine, let's go get it. And he's like, uh, mm, uh, well, mm, how about this? How about I give you my phone number and, uh, you know, we'll get together later and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the card back. She's like, what? why can't we just go right now? Oh, not right now. I'll, I'll give you the phone. I'll give you my phone number. And then he gives her a fake phone number. That's called irony. Anyway, <laughs> so while all this is going on, and you're going to hear that a lot, a lot of meanwhiles and while this is going on, because there's a lot of moving parts in, in every episode of Seinfeld, there's always a lot going on. Anyway, while all this is going on, George is trying to get out of uh, giving Christmas presents out to his fellow co-workers at his, at his job, which 
if any of you work in an office, you know what I'm talking about. You have those gift exchanges where I barely know this person, but because I have to see these people all the time, I have to make sure my gift is at least uh, a quality enough gift to where they know I still appreciate them. But again, I don't want to spend a lot of money. And all kinds of, it's a big psychological thing. So Jerry, excuse me, George is trying to get out of all that. And he gets out of it by saying he doesn't celebrate Christmas. Henceforth, he doesn't buy gifts for anybody. Not the people in his family, not the people at his office. And he celebrates Festivus. And uh, George's boss is like, George Costanza, I've never heard of this Festivus you're talking about here. And uh, he's like, and quite frankly, I don't think I believe you, Sonny. And George is like, oh no, 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 Festivus is a real thing, I assure you. And his boss is like, is it now? Well, I think you're going to have to prove it. And so George decides to prove it by inviting his boss over to the Costanza household to celebrate Festivus. And while all this is going on to, I guess, digress to another plot line, while all this is going on, Jerry had met uh, a woman earlier at Walter White's Christmas party. And uh, there at the party, uh, you know, she looked great and uh, asked her out and they started going on dates. But the odd thing about this woman is that apparently, depending on the light, she might look more or less attractive. I mean, and here, I'll have to digress again. I mean, okay, I'm seeing the side by side here, but I don't think she looks unattractive. And again, maybe this is because I'm like a random casual guy. It's not really easy for me to lose attraction to people, but sure, it happens, I guess. But, you know, whatever, you know, her face looks different in different light. I can tell you. Uh, because the light, I had to struggle with the lighting here now. Even now, you can see these reflections in my glasses. I'm struggling with lighting. So I do kind of get it that, you know, lighting is important. But is it enough to make someone just completely, like, undateable? Are they just undateable because they're in the wrong light? I don't know. But anyway, Seinfeld, uh, being the, the pure Adonis that he is, because he's, he's so good looking, right? Anyway, Seinfeld has to only see this woman in the proper light and it's, it's funny because the way they, they set it all up again is like just to make it so that she's just completely unattractive in uh in in uh i guess poor lighting they make it seem like she's like a two-faced or something like that you know what i mean i don't know you guys look at it and tell me i mean is she really that much less attractive anyway 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 moving on so jerry being the being the again the adonis that jerry seinfeld is i mean oh my gosh he's so good looking i would go gay for him Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, so Seinfeld, being the superficial person he is, decides, hey, uh, I can only date her wherever we have good light. And the place that I've seen where she has the best light is in that diner. And if you've seen Seinfeld, you know what diner I'm talking about, the diner where they meet and have most of their most funny, brilliant conversations uh, on, the, on the TV show is in that diner. And in the back booth of the diner, apparently the lighting is just perfect. I almost wish I was in that lighting because I need perfect lighting in my life. Anyway, that he basically only dates her in that back booth of the diner because that's where she looks the best. It's basically the only place he wants to be seen with her in public. And so, um, so uh, then Kramer bumps into Jerry's girlfriend out on the street. And she's like, hey, you're Kramer, right? Uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Jerry's, I'm Jerry's girlfriend. And Kramer's like, 
you're Jerry's girlfriend? <laughs> no. I don't think so. I don't think so. The woman I've seen uh, Jerry kind of going around with is a lot less attractive than you are. I mean, you're a gorgeous woman. And the woman that Jerry's been seeing, not so much. <laughs> I don't think you're Jerry's girlfriend. And she's like putting it all together. She's like, aha. Uh -huh. So that's why we can only date in that back booth at the diner. He doesn't want to be seen with me because he has another girlfriend. I figured it out. And it's kind of funny when you think about it because apparently Jerry Seinfeld, even in human form, really likes the ladies. That man gets around. Anyway, so uh, after all that has happened, yada, 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 the circumstances conspire to get Elaine Kramer, George's boss, George's dad, George himself, Jerry, Jerry's girlfriend, and Elaine all together uh, around the Festivus table. And I realized I said Elaine twice. Well, anyway, so they're all around the table and then Jerry's girlfriend busts in and she sees Elaine sitting next to Jerry. And she's like, and she's, and Elaine is still kind of drenched in the in the in the steam bath you know from the steam bath she had earlier her hair is still all over the, you know drenched and her makeup is still running and she sees elaine and she says aha so you're the ugly woman that jerry has been howling around with all over town and she's like and then she tells jerry i never want to see you again goodbye and she storms out and then elaine is like i don't know what she's talking about i'm all in it for a sandwich okay anyway so after that, the episode starts to wind down and we, George's dad challenges George to a feat of strength per the Festivus holiday tradition. And that's kind of the end of the episode there, ladies and gentlemen. So of course, I watched it again uh, for the purposes of this review. And I have to say one thing I really appreciated and that is Festivus is not featured very heavily in this episode which is very appropriate. It's kind of a microcosm for how life really is for people who celebrate holidays, which is to say that, again, we have 365 days out of the year and most of them aren't holidays. So it's not like, you know, we can realistically or we should be expected to upend our lives for a holiday. There are still other things going on around the holidays for the days that aren't holidays. And this episode is very much like that. I mean, they make a bigger deal about uh, George's, uh, excuse me, uh, Jerry's kind of two-faced girlfriend, you know, and then, you know, Elaine's uh, pursuit for the free sandwich is actually the thing that drives all the plot forward. It's the thing that kind of connects all the other plot points together. And then you have uh, the episode is even called The Strike because uh, even the idea of the bagel shop going on strike actually kind of features more than the actual holiday of Festivus itself, which again, I just, I just think that's a perfect correlation because that's the way life is. The holidays are there, but it's not our main, you know, I guess talking point or whatever. It's something we say to the people because it's something we all have in common. So I guess that's one thing that's really nice about the holidays, you know, depending on uh, what society you live in, everybody knows about the holidays and it's something we all have in common. So I guess that's kind of nice. I like things that bring people together. But in this episode, it was the free sandwich that brought everyone together in a way. Anyway, moving on. My point is, holidays kind of give me the heebie-jeebies.
So that's what I really liked about this episode. It wasn't like, oh, like, hey, you know, having people wearing ugly sweaters and, you know, celebrate. It was just about people living their lives and holidays just happened to have been in the background. I really like that. Anywho. Um, so that was the Festivus uh, episode of Seinfeld. Festivus for the rest of us. And um, I have to say that one thing uh, about Seinfeld, it was hard for me to write some good jokes about it because... The show already doesn't take itself very seriously. So let that be a lesson to you out there, kids. If you want people to leave you alone, don't take yourself seriously. Ah, whatever. Laugh about it. Who cares? And then get on with your life. Because when you're trying too hard to be serious, it kind of looks weird and it's a lot easier to make fun of you. I mean, look at this. Uh, I don't like sand. I mean, who likes sand? Give me a break. Anyway. Um, anywho, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives... The whole entire ninth season of Seinfeld is 61%. And when I saw that, I was like, 61%? 61% is an F. I mean, that's a failing grade if you're, you know, in high school or if you're in college. It's like, and it's still considered fresh? What does a person have to do to get rotten around here? Anyway, I guess you have to be less than 60%. Anyway, but luckily for Seinfeld, and not just Seinfeld the TV show, but Seinfeld, the man himself, here at Random Casual Reviews, we don't pay attention to the musings of vegetables, fresh or rotten. As a matter of fact, we don't even eat enough vegetables. We really got to work on that. We have to eat more vegetables. Anyway, we don't pay attention to vegetables around here. We have our own rating system. We give Seinfeld Season 9, Episode 10, titled The Strike, a rating of... Five out of five Festivus polls. Of course. What else was it going to be? Five out of five Festivus polls, ladies and gentlemen, for the strike. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It was great. Anyway, so what do you think? Did you like the episode? Uh, tell, us, um, tell us what else deserves the random casual treatment. Comment down below. Like. Subscribe. And tell all your friends about random casual reviews where you don't need a reason and we don't need the expertise to talk about the things we like. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so much for watching. Bye, everybody. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your festival.